Hi guys, and welcome back to Strange State, uh, typically a true crime podcast. This week we are going to do something a little bit different, a little bit more lighthearted and fun. This week we are going to dive into some lore and ghost stories surrounding the state of Washington. So let's dive in, shall we? The very first place we are going to cover is Pike Place Market. Open on August 17th, 1907, in an effort to prevent price fixing and to bring affordable and really healthy food straight to the people, straight from the farmers. So it was a really important marketplace. Through the years, the market has been updated and survived even through the Great Depression because the place was the best place to get good, cheap food because you cut out that middleman there was no distribution or anything like that which there wasn't really a ton of in 1907 but anyways I digress a place with so many years under its belt is bound to have a few stories of otherworldly happenings Pike Place Market is considered the most haunted place in Washington and one of its most famous ghosts that resides there is royalty herself Princess Angeline was the eldest daughter of Chief Seattle of the Duwamish tribe She was referred to as a princess by the settlers in the area as a term of endearment and respect. She was often the mediator between the settlers and her father and the rest of the members of her tribe. Even after her family was forced out of Seattle to a reservation, she refused to leave and remain there, making a living for herself, weaving baskets and doing laundry for the townspeople. She was commonly seen walking the streets and her red scarf tied loosely around her head. She lived in peace until 1896, and at the age of 85, she passed away. It is rumored that Pike Place Market was eventually built on top of her old homestead, and visitors to the market started to catch glimpses of a shorter, older woman with a red scarf walking slowly through the market. When they would turn around, she would be gone. Many would inquire about her to the other stall owners wanting to buy the woven baskets that she would often be seen making or carrying through the market itself. They just simply smiled at them and explained that they had been in the presence of royalty. To this day, she is seen almost weekly, and she is an entity that the other shop owners really revere and have a lot of respect for. She's not malicious in any way. She's just really going about her day, living her life exactly the way she would have if she was still alive today. A more engaging and helpful spirit that has been taken residence inside of the old market is Frank Goodwin, who was the nephew to the original founder of Pike Place Market. He helped to create the place that he now haunts. Considered a friendly spirit, he is often seen asking people passing by if they need help or directions, smiling to them and waving to them, like many say that he would have done in his life every day. So he has a friendly face for everybody that comes near him and just wants to make sure that everybody is finding their place inside of his market, which is really sweet. And one of those shops that he is known to instruct you to is known as Bead Zone or Bead Emporium. Inside of there, there is said to be the restless spirit of a young boy whose visits often bring the smell of horses and hay. Because of that, he is believed to be a young stable boy back from the days where there were no child labor laws and maybe that that 
caused his death in some way. There's not a lot that's known about him. He's not malicious, just sometimes a little mischievous, as young boys will be, stealing beads and hoarding them in the wall, opening and closing the cash register at night when no one else is around, and sometimes he even takes merchandising in his own direction, moving items around the shop while it is empty of customers. So, again, not a negative spirit, just a young kid who probably has no real idea of what's going on and is just trying to make the best of his current situation, as weird as that might sound to us. Um, The beads in the wall were found. They didn't notice any beads missing. They were found when they started to do renovations and tore down the wall coverings and just found this like long string of beads that were hanging in there. And they think that he was saving them to kind of play with and just kind of make his own thing, which is really neat, I think. He is definitely a much more engaging spirit. Again, like Frank Goodwin, um, there are lots of different classifications of ghosts if you want to get really technical. Uh, Princess Angeline would be more considered like a residual or kind of an echo. She is just living out her everyday life exactly how she would whether Pike Place Market is there or not and that's why a lot of people believe that the location of her homestead is where Pike Place Market stands today and so she is just kind of on a loop so to speak coming and going and sitting and living her everyday life and then there are spirits that are more aware of what they're doing and that would be spirits like Frank Goodwin and um the boy in the bead shop so just interesting facts about spirits if you believe in that sort of thing another resident in pike place market is madam nora she is said to be trapped inside of one of her own crystal balls she was the proprietor of a shop called temple of destiny back in the earliest days of the market in the early 1900s she dabbled in many different occult rituals and when she passed many people believed that her spirit was bound to her crystal ball That ball was then traded to the shop Pharaoh's Treasure for the price of a scarab beetle by an older woman. And immediately the shop owner started to have weird experiences. Madame Nora is known to move things around the shop as she pleases. The crystal ball now is cared for by Sheila's magic shop. So she's kind of come full circle and is kind of back home in a sense. So hopefully she's not moving as much stuff around there because maybe she's a little happier and agrees with how that shop is being run. Hmm, shady, Madam Nora. But Pike Place Market isn't the only place haunted in Washington. The Oxford Saloon, built in 1900 and used as many different types of businesses over the years, is rumored to have housed a bordello on the second floor run by a prominent local female resident named Kathleen or Catherine. I found articles calling them both names. I found articles calling um, her one name and then the other, so I'm going to put both in there. Saloons are no strangers to violence, and the Oxford was no different. One particular act of violence that produced an otherworldly spirit named Henry. Henry was a regular at the saloon and also a local police officer. 
The story goes that there was a fight in the bar that night, and Henry stepped in to break up the argument, sometimes acting as a bouncer for the location. Unfortunately, Henry was stabbed in the altercation and killed at the scene. He was stabbed on the stairs and rolled down to the bottom, which is very graphic in my head, (laughs) but he never left. His favorite places to be include the women's restroom and hanging around the bar where he's known to pinch women, always disappearing when they turn around to find out who did it. So he is a little bit mischievous, again, not necessarily malicious. He was known to have a love for the ladies in his day, and apparently he still keeps that creepy energy going, you know? Gotta have respect for that, I guess, all these years later. Keep sticking to his guns. Good job, buddy. All right, so on the second floor that used to house the bordello is now frequented by a man in a bowler hat meant thought, not meant, to be one of their former customers, maybe that got in an altercation and died, or just somebody that frequented there and that was his, like, happy place. Mm. Um, <laughs> the ghost of Kathleen or Catherine who is actually said to have been decapitated in the clawfoot bathroom on the second floor. Clawfoot bathroom? Bathtub. Could you imagine a bathroom that just stood on claw feet? I feel like that would be weird. Oh, okay. Sorry. I got a little sidetracked. A clawfoot bathtub on the second floor also still hangs around. Some say she's still keeping an eye on her girls. There is a third female ghost named Amelia who people believe Kathleen is watching over. She was found um, deceased in a closet on the second floor and she was believed to have worked for Kathleen. And so some think that that's why Kathleen is kind of sticking around as well. And Amelia is also found lurking the halls on the second floor. There have been investigations done by the Washington State Ghost Society. They have caught some EVPs or electronic voice phenomena of people laughing and even a deeper voice echoing some of what they were saying. So they would ask it a question and this deeper voice would come back and kind of mock them, which is super interesting and shows an intelligence about them. There is also a more menacing voice that they call on one of their trips there being quoted as saying, you'll die. Little sketchy. Um, That sounds a little bit more menacing than any of the people that we've talked about so far, but there's no way to know how many spirits happen to reside there. So we don't know. Today, it is a restaurant, and the owners are proud of the history and their heritage of their ghosts. And on their website, they even have a tab where you can submit your own ghost stories that you've experienced while hanging out there. Or if you have history, you can submit that as well. They do ghost tours, and they also take to-go orders because that popped up on their website, which I thought that was cool. Whatever. (laughs) So if you're in the area of the Oxford Saloon. Maybe try out the restaurant. Check it out. Go visit. Give them some business. Everybody could use a little bit of support this time right now. So on to the next subject. In the early 1900s, a man named E.R. Butterworth, which 
I have to say, I just love that name, was a furniture maker in the city of Seattle. Quickly, he realized that there was more of a market for coffins at the time, with rampant disease and mining accidents that were a common occurrence. He decided to open Butterworth and Sons Mortuary in 1903. He is also credited with kind of coining the term mortuary. Mortuary. Wow, that's a hard word to say. Mortuary and mortician and kind of creating the modern day funeral. So fun facts about our ghosty Butterworth. I would hold your applause on what you think of him till the end. Um, During a time when Spanish flu and tuberculosis was ravaging the city, bodies were literally piling up in the streets. So the government decided that they would pay $50 for each body that was pulled off the street. And Butterworth took advantage of that. So he was bringing in business and he had a crematorium built on site. He was cashing in them $50 checks per person and was kind of getting really greedy. He quickly succumbed to rumoredly more corrupt practices and some say he even killed some himself to get some more bodies so that he could get another $50 check. He even had a connection to one of the cases that we have already covered. His good friend, Dr. Linda Hazard, Supposedly, Butterworth cremated a lot of her former patients before their untimely deaths could be investigated, and he would get a cut of the profit that she made off of their wills or the stuff that she would pawn that was theirs. So that is an interesting tie back to something we've already talked about. Dr. Linda Hazard or causing ghosts in the middle of Seattle. I mean, not surprising, but very interesting It is amazing what greed will do to a person and make them do. And I just think that's crazy. But I digress. We are going to take a quick break so that we can hear from our sponsors. And we'll be back in a few minutes. So how are you listening to this podcast? Are you listening on Apple Music? Are you listening on Spotify? I bet you're listening on Stitcher. That's how I listen to podcasts. I love Stitcher. It is home to over 260,000 podcasts from classics like My Favorite Murder and Crime Junkies and Cults and Haunted Places. It's got such a wide range. It also has smart recommendations and playlists so you can find your favorite shows and organize all your current podcasts you're listening to and it'll even learn your patterns and start picking podcasts for you, and it hasn't steered me in the wrong direction yet. Stitcher is a free app for iPhone and Android, so you can get it on both, and it's awesome. Now, if you're listening on Stitcher, do you have Stitcher Premium? Stitcher Premium has bonus episodes, exclusive shows, and ad-free listening. I have Stitcher Premium. Do you like true crime? Listen to exclusive archives from Criminology or bonus episodes from True Crime Garage or ad-free episodes of My Favorite Murder if you're into that. You can sign up today for only $4.99 a month or $34.99 for an entire year. If you use our promo code STRANGESTATE, you will get an entire month for 
free to try it out. So go to stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today and use that promo code. Promo codes are unfortunately not valid on the app at the moment, but they are working to fix that. So it must be used on the website. Again, strange state. Free. Free month. Go do it now. Hi guys, welcome back from our sponsors. Let's get right back in it. We just left where we found out that the leading mortuary, look at me saying it right, person making a lot of money off of dead people, was friends with Dr. Linda Hazard, who we know also made a lot of money off of dead slash dying people. So really interesting tidbits there. All right. So, today, Butterworth is an Irish pub, or at least the basement is. The rest of it is offices or pretty much unused. It is now known as Kells, and it houses its share of ghosts. One of the most cited is a young girl who's either blonde or strawberry blonde. She is known to come out when they play the traditional Irish music because she likes to dance to it, which is really sweet and just really nice. So I think that's pretty cool. There is also Sammy, a man that you can catch a glimpse of in a specific mirror on the back wall. And if you turn around to look behind you to find Sammy and you look back in the mirror, he will be almost on top of you, right behind you, grinning from ear to ear. I don't know about you guys, but in every horror movie, that's how they get me. That one scene where your hero is standing there and they open the bathroom door, they get out their toothbrush or their face wash or whatever it is, and they shut the bathroom door. And they're either doing one of two things. They're looking down or they have soap on their face or something. So they don't see said scary mamma jamma hanging out behind them. Or they close it and they see it clearly and they scream and chaos ensues. Doesn't matter which direction any directors like to take it. That is the scariest thing to me in any horror movie you could just show me that on a loop and I would be scared all day. And I know that about myself. I can barely like get soap in my eyes in the shower because I'm afraid the same thing is going to happen. And there's not even a mirror in there. I just don't like that. I don't know. Maybe it's bathrooms. Maybe bathrooms freak me out because that seems to be the common denominator. But yeah, I that's the scene that always gets me. So if I'm going to Kells... I'm not looking in the mirror. I don't want to see Sammy. We don't have to be friends. He can hang out over there in my periphery. That's fine. That's totally okay with me. I will not be insulted if he does not show up for me, is I guess what I'm saying. Okay. So, candles in Kells also will randomly come alight. There is a small little bar in a corner that some people say they kind of leave for the ghost to kind of play around with and there will be candles on it and if you watch it long enough the candles will light on their own and silverware and barware and stuff like that on top of this bar will levitate sometimes but none of the spirits are seen as malicious even Sammy despite my predilections to think he's evil (laughs) 
they are seen as part of the charm of the place. And again, these people that own these places really do respect and revere the spirits and think it's kind of cool they have their own ghosts, which you kind of have to have a little bit of respect for that. You know, it is a part of a history and hey, it does draw crowds in. People love a good ghost story. If you can tell it the right way, I would pay to hear the right ghost story. I like being scared, minus those aforementioned mirror moments. I also just want to say that even though I probably seem like it, I was never that girl that played like Bloody Mary as I stumbled to even say her name out loud because I was too afraid that something was going to show up in the mirror. So I don't know what that says about me. If you know what that says about me, please let me know. Send me an email. Send me uh, Instagram. Drop in the DMs. Follow me on Instagram. Not even the Strange State Podcast. Let me know what that says. Maybe I have some past trauma surrounding mirrors I don't know about, but mirrors are my thing. Can't do it. Even if people like sneak up behind me and I can see them coming in a mirror, still scary. Gotta have all the bathroom doors shut because I don't want creepy things creeping up behind me. Can't do it. Mm-mm. No. All right. I got off on a tangent again. I apologize. <laughs> Ghosts are one of my favorite things besides true crime stories. And I love, I'm so interested in history my grandpa was a huge history person and he just really instilled that in me. My dad was the same way and so I like suck up any history I can and I just feel like ghosts and spirits are such an offshoot of that and so I love both of it. I love learning the why behind the place and why there are ghosts around. 90% of the time, that's why I watch like ghost adventures and stuff like that is just to hear the history part of it because it's so fascinating to me. So yeah, I just get really excited and then I talk a lot. And if you know me in person, you will know that I talk a lot when I get really excited. So you'll just have to excuse me a little bit. Sorry, this is kind of a silly episode, but finally, let's get back down to our last story here. We have the Northern State Asylum, which this brings together all my favorite things. I love true crime. I love history. I love, I love spirits. And I love asylums. That was my favorite season on American Horror Story. I will watch anything having to do with an asylum. I love reading about asylums. Just because we think of monsters as, you know, the things that go bump in the night and the things that live underneath your, your bed. And sometimes monsters are people looking for a brighter future. Sometimes they get hidden in those weeds. So sometimes they're doctors who want to try new and unusual experiments that might work, but you have to be willing to say you're wrong and stop them if they don't work. And sometimes they are people that hide in plain sight. So I think that's uh, super fascinating. It's like the female killer trope to me. It is, you are, it is something unexpected. You are always taught from a very young age to trust women. And you are always taught from a very young age to trust doctors. So to see these doctors go kind of power hungry and 
experiment on their patients. That is also another one of my biggest fears. That moment where you get like admitted to an asylum and then you try to convince them that you're not crazy because you're not, but somebody just like put you there and told them that you're crazy and nobody believes you because you're in a flippin' insane asylum and why should they believe you? That's another one of my biggest fears. So please don't put me in an insane asylum or an institution or anything like that because that's scary. Just saying. But, anyways, the Northern State Asylum, which was shut down in 1973, back in the early 1900s, the current two institutions in the state, the Western and Eastern State Institutions, were becoming overcrowded and overrun like so many other asylums of that era. They were putting anyone and everyone they basically didn't want to deal with in one of these institutions, and They were calling anything a mental illness that wasn't. The state decided in order to alleviate the stress on the other two facilities, they would go ahead and open a third facility. This northern state institution would house everyone from very violent offenders, which it's important to note was 2% or less of the actual population, to social deviants and even immigrants. So anything they deem different or wrong, hysterical women is a good one. Um, Gay people in the early 1900s, they were seen as deviant and sent to asylums to be treated, which we all know is crazy, but it is part of history and it happened. In the beginning, the state hoped to use the large facility as a farm to help rehabilitate people which is fantastic. They wanted to put them to work in something really therapeutic and help them kind of work through their struggles that way. Instead, they started to turn to more barbaric, quote-unquote, treatments and experiments. Women were often treated with electroshock therapy for menopausal depression Patients were subjected to insulin-induced comas as a form of therapy, and even the infamous transorbital lobotomy and the frontal lobotomy, I believe that's how it's pronounced, was performed on some patients there. If you've never heard of a transorbital lobotomy or lobotomy in general, the practice is like taking an ice pick instrument and inserting it through the back of the eye socket, breaking through into the brain where they can sever a connection to the brain that will calm violent patients and can stop hallucinations. It was found that it didn't really have treatment effects. It literally just took that part of their brain connection out so they couldn't perform those actions anymore. So it literally just calmed them. It didn't actually heal anyone. One of the most famous patients to ever receive a lobotomy was actually Rosemary Kennedy. She suffered lasting issues after oxygen deprivation during her birth. The nurse attending her birth didn't want to deliver the baby without a doctor present who was running late at the time, so she actually held the baby inside of the birth canal while they waited, which sounds insane. And obviously, when a baby's time to come out, it's the baby's time to come out. So they really, really hindered her development. She would later 
get really frustrated when she couldn't keep up with her siblings, and she would be triggered into what her family would call fits. But they later found that it was actually having seizures, and she had many of them. As she grew, the Kennedys hid her away from the world, and while they were grooming their two boys, John F. Kennedy and Robert F. Kennedy, for politics, they decided that they needed to fix Rosemary once and for all. She received the procedure while completely awake, and it was said that she was reciting poems so that they, they knew she was awake and coherent. Um, it is also said that the doctors decided that they had hit the right spot and they were done with the procedure when she stopped speaking. She would never speak or walk again. She didn't receive her lobotomy at the hands of this institution. She actually got her lobotomy from the man, Dr. Freeman, that created it. But I thought it was a good anecdote so you can really understand how some of these experimental treatments and even treatments they thought worked back then were actually super barbaric and terrible for the humans they performed them on. Over a thousand people died at this facility over the years. And some say the spirits still roam the halls. Ghost hunters over the years have caught EVPs of disembodied screams, and people having conversations with one another while no one's there. Some people have been seen roaming the grounds while a nurse is known to roam the grounds while pushing a patient in a wheelchair. Many people have reported seeing shadowy figures right out of the corner of their eye that you can never quite get into focus. Okay, guys. So that is it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow on Instagram at Strange State Pod and to check out the Patreon page. Also check out our website, strangedatepodcast.wordpress.com. Thank you guys so much. And until next time, strangers.